Welcome in Friday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across this Outkick network. I'm fired up, not because Hutton's not here. I love Jonathan Hutton. I'm sad anytime he's not right next to me, but we have a great show planned for you. Hutton's going to be back with us next week, by the way. And when I say great show, I mean one that I am truly, truly excited to bring to you today because we have a loaded guest list starting with Javon Curse, the freak coming up in about 20 minutes at 321 Eastern Time. After that, Michael Fabiano, fantasy analyst for Sports Illustrated, will join us at 341. Later in the show, John McClain from Houston, one of the greatest football minds ever to be around, and a guy who's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame will talk NFL with us at 321 Central. That's 421 Eastern. Sorry, I'm on Central Time in Houston. Kelly in Vegas. Can't do a Kelly impression, but... She can do great impressions. She can do anything. She's going to give you winners for the football weekend coming up, 441 Eastern. My top 10 college football games of the week coming up later in the show as well. And finally, a gun show on this Friday. Mike Gunzelman of OutKick joining us in studio. We'll get into a little bit of everything. We'll talk about the most famous person in America during that segment. Davey Hudson's going to be alongside also. And we'll talk about that later in the show as well. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. A lot of pop culture issues to get into with Mike Gunzelman coming up later in the show. Talking about famous people in America, circa 1996, maybe the most famous person or one of them in America would have been Tupac Shakur as we go in our Scorched Earth segment. And we're going to highlight two stories out of Vegas, both hitting today that are equally nuts. We start with Tupac Shakur, murdered 27 years ago. And as of today, someone was arrested in connection with that murder. That's right, 27 years later. Uh, it's K-E-F-F-E-D, Kefi, Keef, like Righteous Gemstones, I'm not sure. But Kefi D is the street name for a man by the name of Dwayne Davis. Dwayne Davis in 2018, told BET on a show titled Death Row Chronicles. Yes, like you, I want to watch all of these episodes now after hearing about this show for the first time. But on Death Row Chronicles, detailed that he was in the car the night of the drive-by shooting of Tupac Shakur. Said he didn't pull the trigger, but he knows who did pull the trigger. This, along with his 2019 book titled Compton Street Legend, where he also details that night, led Las Vegas authorities to his home because, duh, of course they would with someone with this information, had a subpoena, searched different electronic devices that were connected with Dwayne Davis, and now, here we are, September 2023, we have an arrest for the murder of Tupac with Dwayne Davis. No details yet from authorities on whether or not he's being arrested for the murder, but he is being arrested in connection with the murder of Tupac Shakur. Crazy, crazy story Gets me thinking about all the other unsolved mysteries out there, all the other unsolved crimes. I actually listened to a podcast recently about Tupac's murder and Biggie Smalls' murder around the same time. Crazy stuff coming out of Vegas. If you remember a couple of months ago, uh, that's when the subpoena happened where authorities were searching his home. Now an arrest has been made. Crazy day in Las Vegas. And uh, Davey Hudson is alongside with us. Davey, uh, we were talking before the show when I first saw this news come across 
Uh, what was your reaction when you heard that someone was arrested in connection with Tupac's murder? Uh, the biggest thing was that it's been 27 years. Yep. Uh, the fact that we have gone that long. Uh, the other thing, Chad, we go back to the middle of July. You were kind of referring to it, but we had the, the situation where that house was raided. There was like video of the SWAT team busting in. And it's, it's looking like everything's coming together as they continue to put this case on Davis. Uh, it's just... It's weird, you know, you kind of get those statements from 2018 that he's made. And again, this is one of those situations in pop culture lore as far as who actually killed Tupac. And now we might be getting a little bit closer again. There's going to be a lot more information come out. And I'm sure a lot of it's going to be false in relation, but definitely a story worth keeping an eye on. No doubt about it. We'll get a lot more. My immediate thought, Davey, you're the guy who went to law school also, so you know more about the legal process with this. My first thought was, damn, this Netflix documentary is going to be hot. It's going to be great when we get to see all the details of this case so many years later because you know someone's going to be making a documentary about this case. Again, there's been many made already, but it's going to happen again. Let's stay in Las Vegas for our next story. Chandler Jones, great defensive end, was with the Vegas Raiders, still is with the Vegas Raiders, went on the non-football injury list on September 5th. He's been acting very erratically. He's had some crazy social media posts about Josh McDaniels, about the Raiders organization. And then things really started to get a little strange yesterday. Went on Instagram Live, started talking about the suicide of Aaron Hernandez, hinted that it wasn't a suicide, it was a murder, which, by the way, other NFL players have hinted about this same stuff, former teammates of Aaron Hernandez on other podcasts. But Chandler Jones does this and immediately breaks down and starts sobbing uncontrollably. At that moment, everyone was worried and nervous for Chandler Jones. Mental health being a real thing and being something that people are concerned with, especially when you see someone with this level of talent or anyone behaving this erratically. Well, as of today, Chandler Jones arrested apparently for breaking a protective order. Um, There's nothing really humorous to say uh, about all this other than if you watch that video and see some of the online behavior you can't help but just pray for the guy and hope that things turn out okay and personally for me hope that he doesn't hurt anybody else I don't want him to hurt himself especially don't want him to hurt someone else because we've seen issues with this in this country manifest itself into things that could hurt a lot of people I hope that's never the case I certainly hope it's not the case with Chandler Jones I hope that he gets the help that he needs. In fact, the Las Vegas Raiders hope for the same thing. They released a statement saying, the Raiders are hopeful that Chandler Jones receives the care that he needs. He, his family, and all those involved are in our thoughts. As this is now a legal matter, we will not be providing further comment. Davey, it feels like this was sort of the inevitable next step in this story, that he was either going to go get help, he was going to be taken away and forced to get help, or he was going to be arrested. These options are better than other options that could have happened in this story because it's very clear Chandler Jones is not okay. Yeah, you mentioned the just, I mean, it's a sad story all around. We go back to September 5th. That's the last time he's been around the Raiders organization whenever he tried to get into the team facility, but there was an issue with access. Of course, he's making those accusations that he was involuntarily forced to go into a mental hospital days ago. And then the, the, the breakdown, like, it, it's just a terrible look. You can tell it's an unstable human being that desperately needs the help. And, I, I mean, I'm glad that the arrest was able to take place without further injury occurring. 
And it's, I mean, there's just nothing good that can come from this outside of him getting the help that he, he desperately needs. I know a lot of the conversation is going to go to, I mean, will we ever see him on the football field again because he is a great player? Right now, all indications are. It just doesn't look like that's going to be the case. There's just so many other things in this man's life that he needs to get straightened out before football even comes back into the equation. Yeah, and I think there's going to be an immediate rush to try to uh, find um, a reason for this, right? Yeah. Whether it be CTE, you know, hits the head, something else going on. Is there a substance abuse you know, issue going on? Um, that's for the doctors to decide, right? We have pro football doc uh, on this show to give us the, the medical opinion on things. I'm less concerned about the cause of this right now and more concerned about Chandler Jones being somewhere where he can't hurt himself or others because this is not normal behavior that, that we're witnessing. Anyone can see that. And I, I'm not going to sit here and give a medical diagnosis to what Chandler Jones is going through but I'm a layman. I didn't go to medical school and I can watch this video of Chandler Jones or see what he's writing on social media. I'd say the same thing about Antonio Brown. You know, sometimes it doesn't take someone throwing their jersey and shoulder pads off on the field and walking off to know something's wrong. Antonio Brown, with some of the stuff he was spewing, you could tell something is off. And it gets to a point where it's no longer punchline and it's more of a, I hope someone gets through to this person that can actually help them. I'm not that someone. Certainly people on social media, you can pray for them, wish them well. Those aren't those people either. He needs medical help. And if it takes getting arrested to go through the legal system to eventually lead him to court-ordered medical help, so be it. And hopefully this all ends with a happy story where I, I'm, I'm with you, Davey. I think it's short-sighted to even think about football right now. I don't think he's ever going to play again, yeah. if I had to guess. But that he gets the help he needs, so... He's not a danger to himself or anyone else in his life or outside of his life. That's there, the hope with Chandler yeah, Jones. And there were situations back whenever he was with the Patriots that rumors that he was dealing with some other stuff happened and they were able to get that under control. Hopefully, again, that's the case and he is able to make that return. But again, we are just too far away from learning anything in that regard and, and seeing like what's actually going to come out of this. Changing of the guard in the NFC North possibly last night is what we witnessed. Packers... Trailed 27-3 at halftime of this game against the Lions. The most they've ever trailed at Lambeau Field at halftime. They came out of the gates in the second half gunning. Jordan Love looked better, started to make it a game, but in the end, the Lions continue to build the lead, end up winning it 34-20 to after a rough start for Jared Goff. First drive, he throws an interception where I have no idea where he's looking. Throws it right to a Packers defender. Packers managed one yard after the turnover, kick a field goal, and it was all Detroit Lions from that point forward. Here's what I love about this Lions team. Well, I love a lot of things about this Lions team. I love Dan Campbell. I love his fire. I love the way he leads this team. I like that Jared Goff is keeping receipts and going after Ryan Fitzpatrick postgame in a fun way, a little back and forth, where he jokes with Ryan Fitzpatrick on the table, on the desk, and the set of the Amazon Prime video coverage last night, says, oh, I, I thought I was a poor man's Matt Ryan. And says, that I did see that, and what uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick said about it. I didn't know that he said that, but I like that. You got Jared Goff knowing that he said it, and keeping receipts, and also having to have a sense of humor, about, being able to have a sense of humor about it. But what I see from the Lions, this is less surprise and more confirmation. And here's what I mean by that. I was surprised when they went into KC and won even with the injuries to the Chiefs in that game. 
they didn't seem as surprised. Their fans were surprised. In this game, everything I saw and everything I heard in that locker room, from Dan Campbell down to Jared Goff when he's talking to the team, is confirmation. This is who we are. Let's show them who we are. We showed them tonight. Hey, that's 3-1 and one on the season. Let's keep it going. But we have a lot to do. That's 1-0 in the division. But this is the confirmation process. We know who we are. We're going to have that stamp of approval of exactly who we are. It's no longer let's learn how to win. Let's start to become who we're going to be. I really think with this Lions squad, it is we're here. This is who we are. We are the best in this division. And, Davey, I watch that team and think they can win a lot of different ways. Good running attack, uh, good young receivers. Defense can be a little porous, but can be feisty at times too. But talking about feisty, the feistiness of Dan Campbell as head coach is something to behold. Yeah, Dan Campbell done an outstanding job so far with this team. And, and I, I didn't anticipate this going into the game, but they were able to get running back David Montgomery back. He ended up rushing for 121 yards and three touchdowns. And, and the other thing is this, I mean, they just got up early. It was 27 unanswered. And you mentioned the 27 to three at the halftime. They were interviewing Packers coach, uh, Coach LaFleur coming back out. And he even used the word like this is embarrassing to describe that effort in the first half. They were able to get a little bit going offensively in the second. Jordan Love was able to settle down a little bit. But, I mean, the Lions were just swarming out there. And another guy that you just look at that offense for the Lions, offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. I mean, that is a guy to keep an eye on whenever it comes to the head coaching cycle for this next season because that guy is able to put together one hell of a game plan. And if, if you look at what they are doing in Green Bay – this isn't your your father's uh, – sorry, in Detroit, this isn't your father's uh, Lions team. I mean, this team is actually going to be able to do something, and I think come playoffs, especially if they can play in a dome, they're going to be sitting pretty. I agree with you. I, I love this team, love watching them. Um, hasn't been as much fun if you're Mel Tucker watching the situation at, at Michigan State. Uh, the best way I could segue to that one. Mel Tucker's going to sue to get his money in the buyout. This is no surprise. He's hinted at it the entire time well within his legal rights to do so. The biggest question to me in this whole case, you know, get, getting to the heart of this, what Mel Tucker did was stupid. He's admitted it was stupid. Does it rise to the level of moral turpitude slash embarrassing the university, harming the university's reputation? It depends on who you ask. If two consenting adults have phone sex... And then one person says, well, it wasn't consenting, but I stayed on the line for 27 minutes because I didn't want to hang up. Um, you could rightfully ask some questions about the motivation behind that. And I'm talking about Brenda Tracy, who's alleging these, these, these acts against Mel Tucker. But I'll also say, and this is probably where they're going to get in trouble with this, the university hired her to speak to the team. And I go back to Bobby Petrino. You know, having an affair with a younger woman and getting in a motorcycle accident with her on the back of the motorcycle, that's bad enough. But you get fired with cause and all of your money stripped away when that younger woman is an employee of the football program, which that was the case at Arkansas with Bobby Petrino. If this is, in fact, a paid contractor of the university, which I believe she is because she was paid to come speak to the team, and there's now allegations that she was not invited back, because of some of this, 
that's a problem for Mel Tucker, clearly. Davey, you're our legal analyst here. What, what do you think about Mel Tucker suing the university? I mean, he's right to do it, and I don't blame him at all. This is not a situation I see this going to trial. A lot of these uh, wrongful termination suits often end in a settlement. And really the one thing that kind of just hurts Mel Tucker right now is he should have just lied. I mean, he said he admitted to masturbating. and Yeah, he and kinda, that. you're right. So if, if he doesn't say that, he is in a, a much more advantageous position. I know we're kind of up against it, but uh, this is one of those things. It's, it's going to be a long road, but I eventually see him not getting the full buyout, but he will be receiving some sort of financial compensation in a settlement. As a wise man once said, deny, deny, deny. Those are the three most important words. Maybe Mel Tucker should have followed suit with that. Javon Kirst, the freak himself, joins Hot Mike. That's next. Welcome into Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Great show for you on this Friday, and it just continues to get better and better. It's always a good show when you can be joined by the freak himself, one of the greatest nicknames in the history, not just of football, but of sport in general. He is Javon Curse, former Titans legend, NFL legend, Florida Gator legend, and he's here today on behalf of Saks Underwear brand, the All Saks Conference is a group NIL deal made up of six SAC leaders across college football. Partnership's going to benefit a great cause. Also, a SACs will donate $1,000 to the Testicular Cancer Foundation for every SAC made by the group this season. Javon Curse knows a thing or two about SACs and SACs, S-A-X-X. Javon, how you doing, yes. man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Um, yeah, having a good morning. We're supposed to go play some golf, but it's kind of wet, so I'm going to just hang out with you today. Hey, that's perfect. Hey, that's good. <laughs> the, the rain finally benefited me uh, in some way. Yeah. Um, it, you know, you see NIL deals like this, Javon, which is really cool, and this is going to a great mm -hmm. cause also. And I can't help yeah. but think if Javon Curse, who was a great player at the University of Florida, was playing today, what could you earn in NIL I'm sure you've thought mm -hmm. about that before as well. What do you think about this new world of NIL and what it could have meant for you as a player? I think it's I think it's very I think it's very fascinating. Um, personally, um, I think it's something good to um, as far as the negative things that comes um, with when they wasn't doing that was with uh, players probably getting involved with agents and players like um, yeah, not really like having the means or the financial support and then doing like doing things that's going to get them in trouble as far as like um, credit card fraud and everything else. So I personally like think it's definitely going to help like fight all that right there. And if I was in college right now, I, I it would definitely be cool. Like um, I'm sure there's some guys who are probably in school right now thinking about going to the next level, even if it's, even if they don't go early or whatnot, but like to start making money or whatnot, just to, you know, help support themselves or their families. And now with these NIL deals, now they, they have access to it and probably not as much stress, but it's, it's, um, I, I hear two, I have two different sides to this right here. You know, talking to guys who played in college, guys who played in the league and there's just like, uh, yeah, but they give not money, but like, it's too much. Like, is it, is it like, you know, is it out of control? Like yeah. they took like a problem that was, you know, that was a small problem and made it to something even bigger. But I mean, at least they're giving these kids a chance to, you know, a chance to be, you know, financially compensated from the things that they're doing on a college level because these schools are making a lot of money off of them. 
Yeah, if you're a good SEC player like you were at Florida, I think NIL can just make your life very comfortable while you're in college. To your point, you're not having to do things to try to have some money that you otherwise, you know, wouldn't be doing. If you're a great player and especially a quarterback or certain positions, I think it does give you something to think about if you're going to leave for the NFL draft early because rookie contracts aren't what veteran contracts are. So it may give a quarterback that's a third or fourth round pick or a receiver that's a third or fourth round pick something to think about at the right programs, which is definitely different from when you were making your decision to go pro, right? Mm -hmm. So like, definitely, I think it, um, I I don't like if it's someone who's, you know, they're getting a good NIL deal and, you know, they're on the fence about going to the pro by going pro whatever. I'm sure like that can make it the situation a lot easier because if you're making money now, then it's like, yeah, why deal with that extra stress? I love to just still make money like that and still be on a, in a on a college campus. Javon, you were a guy, you know, paid to to wreck the quarterback's day, right? As a disruptor mm-hmm. from your position. With the rules today, has the game gotten too soft for guys like you that your job is to get after the quarterback? <laughs> yes, they gotten too damn soft, man. <laughs> and even some quarterbacks will still tell you that uh, the rules are soft for them, whatever. But I guess it's, they want it to be a pass-happy league, and that's what they're doing. So I guess you got to try to evolve with it. But, I mean, I do do think, like, a lot of those rule changes mostly and only benefits the offense. But we know the big story is they want a lot of – they want to see a lot of points, want to see a lot of scoring. So um, it's good that we have these defensive ends these days, like the Nick Bosa's, the T.J. Watts, and those guys who can also be disruptive as well. Yeah, and it's uh, it also owners want to protect their investment. Their top investment is quarterback, and they don't want to see them right. hurt is the, a big part of it also. I think back to your rookie year with the Titans where you set the league on fire. Uh, you know, rookie of the year, the, the freak T-shirts are everywhere. Your team goes all the way to the Super Bowl. And while the team didn't go to the Super Bowl, I, I watched Micah Parsons granted at a different position in his rookie year and he, how he came on the league. And I, I see some similarities with how disruptive you were and, and Micah Parsons early in his career. What, what do you think when you watch the Dallas Cowboys star? Dude, um, I can't lie. Like when I got into the league, even though I wasn't an outside backer, you know who I watched a lot of film on? 56 for those Giants. LT. Lawrence Taylor. And personally, personally, if you ask me, I think Michael Parsons is the next, he's the next thing to it. I mean, if you say it to him, I, I guess he's going to pro- probably like want to be the next Michael Parsons. But like you like being like called uh, compared to Lawrence Taylor is a huge thing, a very huge thing. So, um, like he's, he's a, like, he's a force and like, he, he does it from all over the field. He does it from the D line. He does it from the linebacker spot. He's left, he's right. He's inside. Definitely a very disruptive force. I mean, even if he don't get sacks, but he gets the sacks as well, but he makes a whole bunch of noise. He's causing he's pressure. He's, he's disruptive. Like he's a, he's a, if, if I was a defensive back for the, Cowboys, I'd definitely be thinking um, number 11 up front. I mean, along with the rest of the guys, but number 11, he definitely, like, gets up in the quarterback and probably, and he definitely, not probably, he makes the back-end job, the guys on the back-end job, much easier. Javon, what is your attachment to the game like today? Are you are you watching college football on Saturdays? Are you watching a full day of NFL on Sundays? And you know, some of your your guys you played with, some guys get completely away from it when they're done. 
But most yeah. guys still want to watch and, and know what's going on. What What is your level of attachment? I'm still attached to it. Um, I'm watching football all day on, on like college all, all, on Saturday. I mean, I live out in Florida, so um, I'm trying to keep up with all these kids because like it, Actually, like when I stopped playing, I got away from it like briefly, and I want to say um, I kind of, um, I kind of like started like losing the names and like got what like school like like who was coming out of what school. But being from Florida, I try to keep up with the with the sport because that's just what we do down there. And then um, just so I can know like these guys was getting drafted because like um, when I first got out, I probably unplugged for maybe about a year. But then um, got back into it. But then I was like kind of lost with guys getting dropped and stuff. So I stay abreast of that. And then when it comes to watching it, the NFL, I'm watching from a different perspective now. Like now I'm, I'm like I, I love watching the games. I hang out with friends who who have um, fantasy football teams, and all they want to watch is um, red zone. Yeah. Like no, yeah. I want to see how they got to the red zone. I'm trying to see like more of the game. I want to see these pass rushing, like the pass rushers, like what they're seeing. So like now, whenever I'm watching the game, I, I try to I try to put myself um, like on the field and like see what keys that I see and everything else. So I'm still watching it now from like uh, I'm watching it now from a different aspect, not even players aspect, but that's more like a, a coach and a scouting aspect now. You know, smart football people, I've always heard, they're always watching the line and then they're not watching the ball at all times. Mm-hmm. And they're watching the line to right. see what's happening. They know what's going to happen uh-huh. based on the line. I'm sure as a guy that played on the line, is that how you're watching the game? Ball second, that's, line that's first? That's just how I'm watching it there. Like, you can like see a lot just from the line, just from the, the formation, the down and distance. And literally, like I can call out a bunch of plays like before it happened as well. So I do the same thing Tony Romo does as well. Yeah, you can call all the plays every single time. Javon Curson with us, representing Saks Underwear brand, a great NIL partnership they have going on. Uh, Deion Sanders has set the college football world on fire. Everyone's paying attention. Everyone's watching. He's a human soundbite with everything that he says. Your former teammate and a good buddy, Eddie George, is coaching at TSU mm-hmm. and at HBCU. That's where Deion Sanders came from at Jackson State. Yeah. Javon, what do you think when you watch a, a Deion Sanders and his success or your former teammate, Eddie George, coaching, when you see former players getting into college coaching at this level, what do you think? Well, the like the main thing I, I know about Eddie and about Deion, like they're, they're motivators. They're like, um, like when I first got into the league, um, Eddie was one of the first guys to, to, to grab me and put him to the side, like, listen here, bro. We got a job to do. We're not trying to haze you. We're not trying to do all this other stuff, make you sing and stuff. Listen, we got something to do because we went eight and eight three years in a row. We're trying to win some games, trying to get over that hump right there. And it was just like it was just like a, a brotherhood that I, I, that I felt like right away. And when I speak on Dion, Dion's from my hometown. Dion's from my high school. So um, it was like, but knowing Dion, the kind of person he is, like Dion's the ultimate motivator. Like he's the the the, the, the ultimate. Like, and he's definitely changed the changed the face of college football right now. I mean, love it or not, everyone has something to say right now about the about about Colorado. Everybody has something to say, even if it's good or bad. But like, you can't. Like you can't knock what he's doing. Like he's and he's uh, he's all about these kids. That's another thing. Like a lot of people were mad when he left the HBCU, whatever. But um, he's 
he's taking the kids with him. Like he's doing stuff for kids. He's helping these kids out, man, still. So like definitely, um, definitely he's, he's changing the face of college football right now. And if I was in college, I definitely would want to go play for primetime. Javon, your former team, the Titans, are kind of in a weird spot right now as a franchise. They're sort of in between, it feels like, yeah. of what they are and, and what they could be. Maybe this is the last year for Derrick Henry as a Titan. Certainly looks like it's the last year contract-wise for Ryan Tannehill. They can get out of that after this year. What do you think is the main issue when, when you watch this Titans team? They fired John Robinson, the GM, late last season. They're starting over there with Rand Carthon. I know you're watching mm-hmm. the games What's your main yes, takeaway from this team and where they are right now as a franchise? I mean, I really, just what you said, like I can't put a finger on it, whatever, because um, from me seeing the production that they're getting out of Derrick Henry, but I mean, that's like when he's splitting his carries 50-50 with, uh, with someone else in the, back, in the backfield, it's like, are they sending a message? Because like normally the Titans goes as number 22 goes. And then number 22 is not going then. The Titans have, have a hard time going. But um, I don't know. I, I kind of think it's like a, a transition. I mean, if you ask me personally, because um, like when you draft a quarterback as early as they did with Malik Willis the year before, and then draft a quarterback, uh, Will Levis, out of Kentucky this past year, I think it's sending out a message that they may want to get a certain position uh, situated. So... Or maybe they're trying to light a fire under someone's butt, like to get them performing more. But I mean, what the situation is, it just seems like a transition to where um, they're, they're trying to do something, do something different, or do something new. Speaking of lighting a fire, how about Joe Namath lighting a fire under everyone with the New York Jets uh, at 80 years <laughs> old and saying, "Hey, the guy can't play quarterback. I've seen enough of them. And if the coach and the GM can't figure that out, then well, they need to go too." Uh, that gets That's Aaron Rodgers coming back. That gets Robert Sala coming back on him. Uh, what do that you think me. when you hear that, Javon? That's you? No, that was me. That was oh, the, mean. Me right okay. I thought you said that was that. me. So you, you're mean. not for former players going scorched earth like this? I mean, somewhat, but if you're Joe Namath, you, your name carries some weight, and you mentioned something like that. Like you're, yeah, it's that's going to happen there. Like I don't know. Maybe you should try to be. If I'm going to go on and talk about someone that plays my position, and they played for a team that that I played for, maybe I should go in and try to help see if I can be a part of the solution instead of just pointing fingers. But that's just me. Javon Curse trying to be a part of the solution, uh, fighting testicular cancer with Saks Underwear also, and what they have going on uh, with a great NIL promotion going to a good cause. Javon, mm. always great, man, catching up with you. Um, have fun down in Florida. Hopefully the weather clears up at some point so you can go golf. Thank you very much, man. I'm looking forward to these guys getting these sacks and raising some money. Thanks, Javon. Thank you. Always great talking some ball, literally, figuratively, with Javon Curse, one of the best, and comparing Micah Parsons to one of the best, LT, Lawrence Taylor. Um, I can see it. I'm not saying he's Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor is a one of one, but Micah Parsons right now, early in his career, looks like he is one of one as well. Terrific start to his career. Talking about terrific starts to a career. Javon Curse in 1999, right here in Nashville when he started with the Titans, was terrific. And I would say he would have made a ton with the freak moniker at the University of Florida, but I'm pretty sure he got that nickname not until the NFL. 
with the Titans. And it was because of his vertical jump, because of some of the things he could, he could do in conditioning and when they did testing at the NFL draft and with the Titans when he was just a rocket ship on the scene with the Titans in year one going all the way to the Super Bowl. One of the very best and a guy who definitely would have made some money in NIL had he been given the opportunity. Michael Fabiano, he's made some money with fantasy football. He's probably cost people some money with fantasy football. He is the senior fantasy analyst with Sports Illustrated. He joins us weekly. He's joining us coming up next. He's going to give us what we need to know for the fantasy football weekend. That's next. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. We are back. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton will be back with us next week. We have a loaded show for you today. I promised a loaded show when we opened today. I was not lying. Another one of those guests as part of this loaded show is Michael Fabiano. He is the senior fantasy analyst for Sports Illustrated. He joins us weekly to get you ready for your fantasy football weekend. I have questions Michael has the answers, and he's on with us right now. Michael, how are you, man? I'm good, man. I only played in one league where I had to face David Montgomery, so uh, I guess that's a good thing, right? What was was the record? Your record was still above 500 last week, but was it yeah. better this week as opposed to the week before with all your fantasy teams? Yeah, no, it was. Last week was a good week. Um, in most leagues, I am either above the Mendoza line or uh, undefeated. There's a couple of leagues where I'm one and two, but that's all good. That just means I get higher waiver priority. There you go. Well, I am one and two in my fantasy league, the only one I'm playing in. And I would be two and one had I started Devin A-Chain this past week. But it's one of those where I didn't even consider it. I started Joe Mixon and Rashad Nobody White. Did. Like yeah. everyone would, right? And then A-Chain right. has 51 fantasy points in my league. My question, Michael, is... How should one handle Devin A. Chain from here on out after that breakout performance? We need to help at running back. Running back's a really difficult position right now to fill. Uh, you've got injuries and you've got other players who we thought were going to be studs who haven't been. Like, for example, Josh Jacobs. Uh, he, he might be right at the top of that list. And you're, listen, he had a huge game last week. And uh, he's going to be active in a lot of leagues. I think he was only active in about 4 or 5% of leagues last week, which is not surprising considering he hadn't played and there was really no talk of HN getting a big time workload, which is what he did. And then of course the game went off the rails and the dolphins put up 70 on Denver. So is he a flex starter this week? Absolutely. Obviously he probably just had the best game he'll ever have in his career from a fantasy perspective, but it's good now that we have him from week four, moving forward uh, into that mix to help with the running back depth, which is, uh, just so bad right now. Yeah, and uh, my you know personal predicament: Rashad White, Joe Mixon, starting running backs. That's who I would start. You know, it's a fourteen-team league or whatever it is I'm in. But I'm looking at it now and just on projections, which I know you don't look at. You go deeper than that. But A Chain is right there with Rashad White for points this week. 
And now I feel like I'd be an idiot if I didn't go with the hot hand based on last week. How would you play that? I don't love Rashad White this week. I, I don't. The volume is there. You know, we've talked about it on the show before. The volume is there. The snaps are there. He had a bad game last week. He had a fumble. He's had really one good game so far. He's got a New Orleans Saints defense this week. That's very tough against the run. So I'd probably go HN in that case. So starters this week, who we should start, who we should sit. We're going to start with um, someone that I feel like is still somehow underrated, maybe under-respected in the league, and, and that is Brock Purdy. The 49ers are really good, and Brock Purdy's having a great year so far. He's someone you're starting this week? And no question. He's averaging right around 17 fantasy points per game, which is good. I mean, it's not great. It's not elite. But the Cardinals' defense is not great. I mean, listen, I know what happened to my beloved Dallas Cowboys last week. Trust me, it's just typical Cowboys, okay? That's what the Cowboys do. Uh, Dak did not have a big game. I expect Purdy to be much better against Arizona uh, this week. I'm also playing Javante Williams, and he's been bad this year. I, three straight games, single-digit points, but the Bears are awful against the run. I mean, they gave up how many points to the Chiefs running backs last week? Double digits to three different players, including two touchdowns to Jarek McKinnon. So I'm playing Javante Williams this week. I like James Cook against the Dolphins. That's going to be a high-scoring game. The total's about 53-and-a-half right now. It may move up to 54 on some books. And the Dolphins are not great against running backs. They've given up 15-plus points to three backs so far this year. Uh, Adam Thielen's got a revenge game against the Vikings. I love that narrative. I I'd prefer that Andy Dalton were starting. He's not. It's going to be Bryce Young. But the Vikings are very, very vulnerable to slot receivers, so I would start Thielen. And I'm on the fence about DJ Moore, and I'm on the fence about almost everybody in this Bears-Broncos game because I don't know how it's going to come out. Like, I could see this game being 14-10, or I could see it being 27-24 because neither offense is great, and both the defenses stink. So um, I, I'm going to play DJ Moore because I like the matchup. I mean, the Dolphins just absolutely handed the Broncos defensive backs their lunch last week. That's not going to be the case this week, but it's a favorable matchup for DJ Moore. So he's a flex for me in this game against Denver. And I know it's a steak bomb game. It's like two zero and three teams, but there might actually be some fantasy points scored. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm sure others are to hear any Chicago Bears offensive player, someone to start when I saw DJ Moore on there. You also like James Cook for the Bills against that Dolphins defense. Yeah, I do. Uh, James Cook is getting volume, and the touches are there. The snaps are there. Latavius Murray and, and, and Damian Harris are getting a little bit of burn, and sometimes they're going to steal some of the red zone opportunities. But for the most part, James Cook is a lead back there for the Bills. So who you're sitting this week in starts and sits, uh, one uh, a, a addition to this subtraction will change one out. Garrett mm -hmm. Wilson in for Zay Flowers, regardless of what the graphic says. You made the last-minute switch with that one. Why with Garrett Wilson now on the sit list, Michael? It's more about flowers. The Ravens released their injury report just within the last hour, and Odell Beckham Jr. and Rashad Bateman are both out. So I hate the matchup. The, the Browns' defense is really good, but, I mean, sometimes you've got to look at potential volume over matchup, and Zay Flowers is going to get a lot of targets in this game. And whether or not those targets are accurate targets and uh, ultimately get him a solid stat line remains to be seen, but I, now I got to play him. You know, if OBJ were back and Bateman were playing, it might be a different story, uh, but I'm going with Garrett Wilson. I hate this. I love Garrett Wilson. I'm such a fan of his game. It, it just, Zach Wilson is terrible. I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to jump on the kid, you know, after Joe Namath destroyed him and everybody in the media is destroying him. I mean, Garrett Wilson's averaging 51 yards and four catches 
in 12 career games where Zach Wilson's been the quarterback and he's only scored two touchdowns. And the Chiefs have been tough against receivers so far this year. Now, could Garrett Wilson potentially put up some garbage time points because the Chiefs are crushing the Jets? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so he, he's a risk-reward flex, uh, unfortunately, for those who drafted him to be their wide receiver one or two. Without Aaron Rodgers, uh, it's going to be tough sledding from week to week. The other players that I would sit, Deshaun Watson, who's on the injury report, and he didn't practice today, which means that he might not even go. So if he does play, he's not 100%. He's playing the Ravens. I'm not going with Deshaun Watson. We talked about Rashad White. I don't love the matchup against the Saints. I'm going to fade him this week. Brian Robinson Jr., a player you probably have to go with because he's been good for the most part. He's getting volume. He's the lead back for the commanders. But the Eagles are really tough at home against running backs. In fact, they've given up just six touchdowns and the eighth fewest points to running backs at the link since last year. New Hopkins, he's kind of fallen into that curse of the Titans veteran wide receivers, right? It was Julio Jones more recently than Randy Moss and Andre Johnson. And now it's Nuke. I mean, he's had one good game. He's dealing with an ankle. Seems like he's okay now, but he's got the Bengals this week and their defense can be very tough against perimeter receivers. So uh, beware New Hopkins. And then we, of course, mentioned Garrett Wilson. Listen, I mean, I've got Garrett Wilson in a couple of leagues and I got to play him. Uh, this is not the be all end all. Make sure you go to my rankings over at Sports Illustrated and then you'll really be able to find out who you should start and sit. But the matchup's not great on paper and Zach Wilson's, well, Zach Wilson. And we don't like that for Garrett or any of the other Jets weapons. And feel free to torch Zach Wilson. You're just saying what everyone with two eyes has seen. Well, here's the thing. I have a lot of friends who are Jets fans. And when Aaron Rodgers came over, I told them, I'm like, guys, this has been over 50 years. Like something's going to go wrong. And I love trends and I'm superstitious. And you know what? Sometimes people think I'm a, I'm a jackass for, for actually believing in this stuff. But have you looked at who the jets have drafted a quarterback uh, in the last 50 plus years? They've all been duds. Okay. Chad Pennington was okay. He was three games over 500 in his career with the jets, Mark Sanchez, Sam Darnold, they, they, I don't know why they drafted Zach Wilson. He was never worth the second overall pick. And then they try to fix that mistake by bringing in Rodgers and the curse gets him again. And Rodgers blows out his Achilles four game, four uh, plays into a series. Uh, listen, Jets fans, it is what it is. Uh, I feel for you, man, because uh, uh, I know you're all excited. And now you're probably going to get blown out and people are going to be talking about Taylor Swift way more than your team on Sunday night. Yeah, Vinny Testaverde ain't walking to that door anytime soon for the Jets to save And them. Vinny, remember, Vinny blew out his Achilles he in did. 98 when the Jets were supposed to be a, a Super Bowl contender. All bad things for the Jets. All bad things. All bad things for that Titans offense. You, you mentioned New Hopkins as a sit this week. I'm having a hard time finding someone to start on the Titans offense right now. Are you still good with Derrick Henry? But as his workload starts to reduce to a little bit also, what yeah, do you think yeah. about players in that offense? He had a bad game last week, but it happens. And I mean, listen, I mean, he, he's, he's up there in age at running back and he's had a boatload of work. So we've all been kind of waiting for Derrick Henry to slow down. And maybe we're starting to see uh, the deterioration of his stats, but you got to play him. He was a first or second round pick. He's getting volume and Traylon Burks has already been ruled out. So they got to run the ball. Now, whether or not they're going to be able to have success against Cincinnati remains to be seen. But I got to play Derrick Henry, if, if for no other reason that he's been one of the best backs in the league for the last five plus years, and the volume's there, and a lot of people are just in dire straits, and he's not a player right now that I am comfortable sitting. 
Viewer submission for you, Michael, for this week. Matt Breida of the Giants or Jalen Warren of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a half a PPR league. Who are mm-hmm. you going with? Well, Saquon Barkley has been back to practice this week. So, and it's, it's a Monday night game. So we're not going to really know for sure if Saquon's going to play until the weekend, but I'm playing Jalen Warren regardless, because I don't want to sit on Matt Breida and then Saquon's active and I got nothing. So I'd rather play Warren. He's got a good matchup against the Texans. I'd rather play it safe here. So this is the stupid question of the week for me. And if the answer is no, we don't, I don't look at that ever. That's fine. If that's your answer with teams playing in London, do you ever look at how guys have done on an international trip before? Or is that not a factor at all? And you're simply looking at opponent and not what they do. The Jags are an example, right? Because they play there every year. Are you right. looking at that at all? I'll look at it. but And if there's a fun stat that I dig out, right? If there's like this hidden gem, then maybe I'll use it. But for the most part, it's more about the matchup and how a player has been performing um, over the last couple of weeks based on how I'll uh, project him as a stardom or a sit But I, I will look at it. I love stats and I love trends and all that kind of stuff. I got one for you that I'm sure the viewers are going to love. Oh, I can't wait. We saw the Dolphins last week score 70 points. And that typically does not happen in the NFL. All right. I mean, like they were, they were what three points from breaking the record of the Washington Redskins who scored 72 points, which is the high a stat that one of my colleagues at sports illustrated bill Enright found is unbelievable. There have been eight teams who have scored 60 or more points in an NFL game. Now this comes before the dolphins did it last week. The following week, those eight teams are one in seven straight up and 0 and eight <laughs> against the spread. Wow. So take that for what you will, but that screams bet Buffalo. I love trends. Maybe you don't. I think that's a really interesting one. It's very interesting that you can be fatigued from running up and down the field so much, and that could actually <laughs> affect you the next week. It's like the workload and the carries for the running back, but you can score too many points one week. That could affect you next week. They've always said, save some for later, right? If you're doing yeah. too well, save it for later. Maybe the Dolphins should have done that. Uh, we never mm-hmm. leave anything on the plate for Michael Fabiano. We never save anything. We get it all out there, and he'll join us every week here on the show. Michael, appreciate you, man. Great as always. A good luck this weekend. Take care. Absolutely. Good luck to everyone playing fantasy football. Crazy stat. Eight teams to score 60 or more before the Dolphins. Those teams are 1-7. in seven. The following week, nuts. Michael Fabiano from Sports Illustrated joins us weekly. When we come back, we're hosting a show here on a Friday. I've got a Friday discussion point I want to get into. When I think Friday nights in the fall, and as someone who used to work and cover high school football, that's what I think about. I think about high school football. But we're seeing a trend more and more now where it's not just high school football. And there's multiple reasons for that. The college game is now starting to take center stage. There are four big college football games tonight. Do we like that? Do we hate it? I'll give you my answer when we come back. We'll get to our big takes and much more. That's all coming up. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network.